trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Maggie Scotis, Interim Executive Director of the Abortion Fund of Ohio. Maggie Scotis, JD, is a longtime abortion advocate, doula, and former Abortion Fund of Ohio volunteer and board member, and she currently serves as the organization's Interim Executive Director. Since transitioning to this role in February 2022, Maggie has demonstrated her dedication to uplifting the stories of those most impacted by the barriers in reproductive justice spheres and spaces. She is a licensed attorney in Ohio with six years of experience in civil rights law and direct short-term legal assistance. Maggie has worked to make civic engagement and public policy conversations more accessible through her tenure on the Fair District's Mapping Competition Advisory Committee and the Ohio Democratic Disability Caucus. They bring deep-rooted connections to disability justice organizing to their work at AFO, including their experience as a disabled activist and co-founder of the Supported Decision-Making Network of Ohio. Over the last decade, Maggie has played an active role in community organizing spaces, including her involvement with the Ohio chapter of the National Lawyers Guild, where she began volunteering on their protester jail support and legal helpline in 2020. Maggie continues to work with local clinic escort programs, racial justice organizing, criminal justice reform, and movement lawyering. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. When Roe v. Wade was overturned on June 24, 2022, what was the Abortion Fund of Ohio focused on before the ruling and what has changed since the ruling? So our um, our focus has been the same. Um, our really singular focus is making sure Ohioans can access the abortion care that they want and need as close as possible um, and with as few barriers as possible. Um, the way we do our work certainly has changed since the decision um, on June 24th, but the focus has not. Um, the way that looks obviously is different. We are sending um, the vast majority of our patients out of state. Um, for the last three months, nine out of 10 Ohioans were past six weeks when they discovered they were pregnant and so would have to leave the state to seek care. Um, and we have been building out um, both our volunteer and our further direct service programs to meet the changing needs of what abortion access in Ohio looks like. So the Abortion Fund of Ohio, which was formerly called Women Have Options, has been around for 20, 20 or more years. 30 years, actually. We celebrated 30 years uh, July 17th of this year. So for 30 years, there has been a fund helping women, primarily women who can't afford to access abortion? Yeah. Um, so our organization was started in 1992 by our founder, Emily Rutherford. Um, she had a friend who could not afford her appointment and disclosed that to her. And Emily told her that there was this wonderful organization that uh, supported financially people who needed access to abortion care. Uh, that did not exist at that time, actually. That was uh, a little bit of a white lie. Um, but to make that lie true, Emily founded uh, what was originally the Women Have Options Ohio. Um, and that was our name for the first 30 years of our existence. And then we rebranded uh, this year. Just this year, because Just this year. I, I knew you as Women Have Options. And um, 
you have a quite a legacy. And I watched a video of the founding women, founding mothers of um, of your fund, and it's quite moving. And um, everyone should check out your website, womenhaveoptions.org. Is that correct? Abortionfundofohio.org. Abortionfundofohio.org. Yep, everything's changed. <laughs> so tell us what services, what specific services does the Abortion Fund of Ohio provide? So we have our patient navigation team, our our mighty team of four now, um, which is really big for us. We were all volunteer for a very long time, um, and now we have a full-time staff of uh, six or seven. And so we have our patient nav team, which runs our helpline. Um, So clients can call in and uh, get support case management and funding. Um, for their abortion care, whether that is um, actually paying for the care via the clinic or the logisticals around accessing that care. Um, And that, again, has been a long part of our history. Um, Emily discovered very early on that for many women, um, for many people, the hardest barrier is actually getting to the appointment, having childcare, that sort of thing. Um, And so for years, part of our work has been driving clients to appointments, paying for their rides to appointments, um, providing childcare, paying for childcare, um, and really advising clients on any of the barriers they might face um, in accessing abortion care. Um, We also have a wonderful comms human um, who does a lot of um, education around what the laws currently are, how people can get involved, um, and generally make sure that Ohioans and people across Ohio know that we exist, know how to reach us, know how to access our funds, um, and know when bad stuff is happening in the legislature. Um, And then we're also about to launch, um, sorry, we also have our free EC program, which we provide um, emergency contraception at no cost to community partners um, so that Ohioans can go into their local sex shop um, in the middle of the night and get EC for free if they need that, um, or their local YMCA or whatever. We have a list of partners um, that have agreed to stock the EC for us. Um, on our website so folks can know where they can go and get EC at no cost, which is huge. Uh, EC, if you go and buy it at Kroger, is anywhere between $50 and $70, which is a lot uh, for a single person to be able to stomach, um, on, especially on a short timeline. And EC generally is recommended to be taken within 72 hours. And then we are about to launch our legal access program, which will provide um, legal case management for anybody who is facing criminalization um, for their reproductive health choices and also can serve as a short-term assistance program where people can get questions answered about what the law in Ohio is and how that might apply to their specific question about access. That's pretty comprehensive. Because <laughs> that was my, my next question was, as these laws become more and more restrictive, How are you and the volunteers protected legally and how are the people that access your services protected? Yeah, so we've been investing a lot in the last year in building up that um, response to the rising criminalization of abortion. Um, And so part of the legal access program is making sure that anybody who has questions about criminalization can call us. Um, Anybody who is contacted by law enforcement, we have a wonderful relationship with a criminal defense firm in Cleveland that has volunteered to offer pro bono support um, for anyone who does an intake with us um, and has a network of attorneys statewide so that if they have an arraignment or actually are to be arrested, we can get uh, legal counsel to them very quickly. 
We also have been working on putting on these legal symposiums. Um, We had one in July to inform the public, to inform lawyers, to inform practitioners around what the changing laws means, what how to think about these laws and how to best act so that they can keep their patients and their practice safe. And then additionally, we've also been working with many of our colleagues across the state to develop um, what uh, will be called um, the Ohio Reproductive Liberty Defense Fund, which is a bail and legal fund that is being created to be able to uh, foot the legal costs of any very uh, severe criminalization. So if somebody were to be charged with felony murder, for example, for seeking an abortion, um, that's something that's really hard for private attorneys to do on a pro bono basis um, because that's how they feed their families. Um, and so to create a uh, plan in advance for what we know the state will eventually do, um, we've created this bail and legal fund so that our wonderful pro bono attorneys can afford to continue to represent their clients, um, even if the charges become very severe. And when people donate funds to the Abortion Fund of Ohio, this is not tax deductible, or is it? It is. So uh, Abortion Fund of Ohio is a 501c3. So women have options as a 501c3. We're still working through the the logistics of getting the name change done on the back end. Um, But we have been a 501c3 uh, for almost 30 years. And so donations to AFO are tax deductible. Um, And then donations to the Ohio... um, Ohio Relief, which is the legal defense fund, um, once it's fully set up, will also be tax deductible um, because they are using a fiscal sponsor who has a 501c3 status. So yes, both of them would be tax deductible. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I mean, not that it would stop folks, but some people have funds to donate to um, nonprofits when they don't have funds just out of their pocket. Absolutely. Um, and do you, like you mentioned, you do have an advocate at the state house lobbying, um, actually with the legislatures. We do not. Um, no, we do not have a policy arm right now. Um, we do occasionally testify at the state house, um, but we are a five hundred one c three, so the vast majority of our work is not uh, lobbying or political. But you did say you had someone who was kind of like had their ear to all the goings on. Yeah, so our our communications um, staff works really closely with the policy arms at other reproductive organizations so that we know when hearings are coming up, we know what's going on in the legislature, um, so that if there is a call to action, we can boost that call to action. Uh, But they're not actually showing up at the state house to represent us or lobby on our behalf. Now, are you free to share who are your allies? What organizations are working with you to, you know, make sure that folks get their funding? Yeah, absolutely. We have um, actually on our website, we have a whole list of all of our partners. Um, there's a lot. So I, I I worry about leaving somebody out and making somebody feel uncomfortable. Uh, but we work very closely with Ohio Women's Alliance. We work very closely um, with Planned Parenthood Advocates of Ohio, Planned Parenthood of Greater Ohio, Planned Parenthood of Southwest Ohio, um, Preterm, which is one of our independent clinics in Cleveland, um, both their clinic and their abortion fund we work very close with. Um, we also work very closely with the Agnes Reynolds Abortion Fund. Um, we work closely with um, all of the clinics in Ohio, frankly, um, and then um, also any of our uh, affiliated organizations. We work closely with organizations that do racial justice organizing and disability justice organizing um, and economic justice organizing. The National Association of Social Workers, we work very closely with um, a lot of wonderful organizations, and we're incredibly lucky. Our board is filled with incredible advocates who have wonderful connections um, and are consistently bringing in new partners to work with us and support the work that we're doing and b- 
build collaborative programming together. Well, it sounds like you, because I looked at your bio and you are, you are very, you've done a lot of work with social justice and um, reproductive justice, but disability work and law, legal access to folks. So tell us about your path to working with this fund and what was, what were the steps that got you to being so concerned and then taking action? Um, so I actually grew up in a very conservative household. Um, my mom was is still extremely conservative um, and not particularly happy about what I do for a living. Um, but <clears throat> when I was uh, <clears throat> sorry, just out of college, um, one of my best friends actually had an abortion and um, did not tell me for several months. She didn't tell anybody um, except for her partner at the time. And when she did finally disclose that she'd gotten an abortion, she told me um, that she hadn't told me previously because she did not know how I would react. And she was really worried that I would not want to be her friend anymore, that I wouldn't love her, I wouldn't support her. Um, <clears throat> and that was a real turning point for me. Um, it's not as though I was like very strongly anti-abortion before that, but it did not feel to me like something that was my topic to talk about. And it, it really hit home for me how much harm is caused by simply remaining silent in these conversations. Um, and I made a promise to her and a promise to myself that I would not be silent about this anymore because I did not want anybody I love to ever have that same fear that I would not love or support them for making the choices that were best for them. And around the same time, I had a friend that I met in law school who uh, was a volunteer at uh, Women Have Options and was very closely associated with the board. And so just through socially, I ended up going to a couple of events and started volunteering and met some of our clinic escorts. And I uh, represented um, an AFO volunteer pro bono at one point um, and had just a wonderful experience of really using the education and the privilege that I have to create real world impacts for people that are putting their lives and their bodies on the line to do the work. Um, and joined the board uh, when the opportunity presented itself and then was on the board for about six years uh, before this uh, job offer was made. This is Carolyn Harding and this is Grassroot Ohio. And today I'm talking with Maggie Scotese. She's an attorney with the Abortion Fund of Ohio, providing funds for folks that may not have access. And certainly in these times of Ohio's laws, Restricting abortion access, um, definitely helping many people find access to an abortion, abortion care. So how can people, listeners, support this work? You need funds, you need volunteers. How can folks who really want to help others, if they have funds or if they have time, what's your needs? Um, that is one of my favorite questions because there are so many wonderful ways to support this work. We love donations. 100% of our grassroots donations um, go right back into funding direct access to care. So whether that is donations um, that go to our clinic block grants so that people who show up at the clinic but maybe don't have access to us can still get funding for their procedure or direct grants to clients for their procedure or for the logistics. Um, we also have partnered with Ohio Women's Alliance on the um, 
member, I am now blanking on it. It's the MAP program and they're managing a wonderful training and recruitment module so that people who are interested in getting involved, both with AFO and other reproductive justice organizations, um, can get trained. They can get sort of the background on how we got here, what, what kind of language to use, what are our values, what's really important, how to move in this space in a way that doesn't create more harm or stigma um, and really be exposed to the various ways that people can volunteer. They are running running a wonderful peer-to-peer support helpline um, that folks can call in and get referrals to um, vetted resources and um, all sorts of stuff like that. And the volunteers that go through that process will then be made available to AFO for people who need to drive clients to their appointments, providing childcare, um, dropping off emergency contraception to a client if we need to do that. Like I said, we are always accepting donations. We have had a wonderful variety of people have creative ways um, to support us. We've had people who, we had chefs who did a dinner and raised funds for AFO. We had um, a wonderful group of people up in Cleveland who did a screening of uh, the Janes and donated the money to AFO. Um, We have somebody doing a carpool uh, in a couple of weeks who's donating the money to AFO. Um, We had a burlesque show. We have anything and everything that people can think of. Um, We love the creativity and the ways that people are bringing their full selves and their community into this conversation. Um, We also have been working with some wonderful folks down in Athens who have been doing self-managed abortion trainings and teach-ins so that everybody in the community can feel fully aware of what their options are and have the knowledge about reproductive um, decision-making and community care that has been in existence for decades and know what the what access looks like now in obtaining an abortion um, outside of a clinical setting, um, what the realities are, how dangerous it is, um, the lack of danger more specifically, and the fact that mostly the only danger comes from the criminalization, that reasonably speaking, the uh, access to self-managed abortion through medication is incredibly safe. Um, ibuprofen and Tylenol are more dangerous than misoprostol and mifepristone. And really giving folks the information so that they feel empowered to make decisions in their communities and support the people in their communities. Because that's one thing that we are very aware of is we are a very small organization. We've been around for you know, 30 years, but we still have a very small full-time staff. And Ohio is a big state. Um, But so many of the discussions and conversations around abortion and reproductive health happen in small groups, in friendships, in an, oh shit, I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do, or I think I might be pregnant and I don't know what to do, situations and spaces. So we are really focused on making sure that people in their community have access to the information and the resources they need to help their own community, to help their friends, to help their kids, to help their family, to be able to access the care that they need. So it sounds like if folks reach out to you via your website, mm-hmm. you can connect them with education. You connect them with a, um, a direct link of how they can donate with yep. their with their fundraiser. Basically, you're a resource hub, yep. as well as able to fund and um, connect folks with legal acts, um, resources as well. I wanted to just backtrack. Um, a friend of mine is from Athens and she just held a fundraiser for you all, I think this last week. 
And I also heard you speak from a symposium up in Cleveland. It was a, um, a legal medical symposium on, a, on post-op, post-op's decision. And you were talking about the symbol of your logo, which is the red clover. Can you talk about that and about Appalachia and also, again, a little more about the uh, medication self-care? Um, yeah. So we, when we were rebranding, um, we had a lot of discussion about what we wanted to be the symbol of AFO. Um, and we decided on the red clover, which is um, a historical um, abortifacient, uh, herbal abortifacient that was used, especially in Appalachia, um, to self-manage abortions. And we wanted to use that symbol as an homage to our history. We come from... Um, Ohio, we come from people in their community coming together to take care of each other. And historically, a long time ago, that meant using herbal abortifacients. And especially in places like Appalachia, where access to in-clinic care is hard to get, uh, if you can get it, and it's even harder to afford, the reality is self-managed abortion has existed for millennia and will continue to exist. And while there are more reliable and potentially safer options through medication these days, um, the reality is that herbal abortifacients will always be a part of our story and always deserve the respect of the community care that they provided, right? Um, and so now we are incredibly lucky that um, most people can, if they choose to, access uh, medication abortion. Um, there are a couple different regimens, whether it's just the misoprostol regimen, um, which there is a whole regimen um, through the World Health Organization that lays out how to self-manage an abortion through using misoprostol or mifepristone and misoprostol. Mm -hmm. um, and... These are the same medication that are used in clinic for medication abortions. Um, there is very little additional risk to doing it at home. Largely, the risk comes from doing it outside of the law and the potential criminalization that comes from that. Um, in terms of medically, they're incredibly safe and significantly easier to afford for many people than um, being able to go in clinic. So for example, if somebody were to use a service such as Aid Access, which will actually use telemedicine to ship medication um, for an abortion to directly to the person. Generally that costs around hundred dollars for the medication. If you're going in clinic in the state of Ohio for your earliest procedure, um, not including the prior required consultation, we're talking about 550 to $600. So that's a huge difference in cost. And for people who maybe don't have reliable transportation or have an unsafe home environment where they cannot leave to be able to access clinical care, medication abortion um, and self-managed abortion are critical tools for people to be able to control their own bodily autonomy. And this is medication that has existed in our communities for a very long time. Um, even though uh, misoprostol was originally an ulcer medication, um, women in Brazil realized that it was causing miscarriages and started to use it to self-manage abortion. Um, and so we are incredibly grateful to the women of Brazil and the history of community care providers and reproductive care providers who have helped us understand that this is the ability to care for our bodies and manage our own reproductions belongs to us. It doesn't belong to a government. Nobody can give it or take it from us. Um, and that's 
why this is so important. That's why the information and the education portion is also so important that you have a right to this regardless of what the government says. And we're not waiting around for the government to tell us what our rights are. We know what they are. Our goal is to educate and provide resources for people to be able to exercise those rights. Awesome. Um, the Ohio representatives, Lepore Hagen and Miranda, introduced House Joint Resolution HJR5, a constitutional amendment that would ensure all people have the freedom to make decisions about their bodies and health care, including the ability to obtain surgical medical abortion services, and the amendment would codify the right to access and use contraceptive devices and medication. However, HJR5 still awaits assignment to a House committee and a first hearing, and with the gerrymandered Ohio legislature, it seems imperative that Ohio does what Michigan has done, get a statewide ballot initiative written and circulated as soon as possible. The majorities of Ohioans support choice. Is there something like this in the works? And if so, how can we help? Yeah, so there is something, there is a ballot initiative uh, planning in the works um, coming from a couple different places, to be honest. There's a lot of people that are really passionate about this, um, but there is specifically a group of folks directly working in repro um, that will be announcing stakeholder meetings in the coming weeks. Um, so I would say keep an eye out for, um, especially on our social media. AFO social media. We are on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're just about everywhere. Um, and our our um, colleagues, such as Planned Parenthood Advocates of Ohio and Ohio Women's Alliance and Urge, um, for when those invitations are going out um, and when we're uh, going to kick off that that work. Okay, good. So it's in it's in the works. Yes, there are absolutely people in this state working on that. Okay, well, we'll be sharing that information for sure. And um, on Saturday, October 8, there are abortion rights protests all over the country. And there's one at the Ohio State House at 12 noon. How can these gatherings and marches help in codifying our reproductive rights? And how can they help the Abortion Fund of Ohio? So one of the most important things when we're talking about direct actions, whether it's marches or teach-ins or demonstrations, is sharing the information, making sure that people know who to contact for information, know where to access funds, know to, where to donate, know where to put all of that, that energy that comes from direct action, right? right. Um, so we have wonderful options. We have tabling toolkits. We have stickers galore that people can have. We always love it when people wear our, we have a t-shirt on our bonfire that has a QR code for people to donate so that as you're walking around, people can be donating um, and actually supporting the work that we do. Um, and even just talking about the work that we do, making sure that legislatures, legislators know who we are. Abortion funds have been historically incredibly underfunded um, and incredibly under-resourced. And we are a lot of times the scrappy little brother that's just trying to keep things going and oftentimes are the only people who will step in when there's somebody who doesn't have a funding gap, who has a funding gap. So it's just really important to be sharing the information, whether it's our stickers, the information we provide, talking about self-managed abortion, talking about the importance of saying the word abortion. Um, all of those things are great things to do. What's your website again? Abortionfundofohio.org. All right. And last question. Real quick, what's your top ask from Ohioans who are listening to this? Um, donate to abortion funds and say the word abortion. All right. Thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us today. Thank you, Carolyn. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroot Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. on WCRSFM.org, 92.7, 98.3 FM Columbus, 
and at 4 p.m. on WEJPLP 107.1 FM in Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.